Money FM 89.3. Best of breakfast. The U.S. Market Update with Money FM 89.3. Welcome to the U.S. Markets Wrap. I'm Sean Cheung. So stocks were in the red overnight and that came as the rally that drove the markets to levels not seen in more than a year took a breather. So the S&P 500 closed its session at 4,388 points, down by half a percent. And also in the red on the first trading day of the week was the Dow Jones Industrial Average. This fell by 0.7% to 34,053 points, while the Nasdaq Composite slid by 0.16% to end at 13,667 points. So for more insights, I am joined all the way from Whitman, Washington uh, by the Chartered Market Technician, David Keller. He's the President and Chief Strategist at Sierra Alpha Research and also the Chief Market Strategist of StockCharts.com. Welcome to the show, David. Sean, thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be speaking with you guys. It is my pleasure too. So let's dive into it. There's a, it's a short week of trading as markets were closed for the Juneteenth holiday on Monday where you are. Investors find incredible reasons to continue grinding higher against the forces of negativity that still linger around a potential recession. It's impressive the run that growth stocks, particularly mega cap growth stocks, stocks like uh, Apple and Microsoft and NVIDIA have performed year to date. I mean, exceptional runs. While the average stock in the U.S. has actually had a pretty tough year, uh, more flat to down on, on average. So a lot of investors, myself included, have been looking for some sign of exhaustion, some sign that this relentless rally is starting to show some signs of pause. I think we've hit there here in the last couple of weeks as a lot of the leading names have become overextended. They've really uh, had an exceptional run. And at some point, you expect a pullback. June is actually one of the seasonally weakest months of the year for U.S. stocks. And I think we might be at the cusp of one of those pullbacks here soon. So on that note of pullbacks, so we still came off a very strong week last week uh, that saw the S&P hit its highest level since April 2022. Of course, yesterday we saw a bit of a pullback. So would you consider this to be like a start of a pullback after an overbought situation or do you think we're just going to continue running up to maybe 4,500 very soon? Yeah, no, it's a really good question, Sean. And I would say, you know, the 4,300 level was a very important level we were watching. Um, That was the high from August of 2022. And the real question was whether our major benchmarks could get above 4,200, which was the February high, and then can continue on above 4,300, which was the August high. That's now been done. As you mentioned, the S&P uh, you know, finished last week around 4,400, pulling back a little, we- a little bit uh, now at the beginning of this week, but overall still in a position of strength. The things we're looking for is to, if the market continues to draw down through the course of this week, does it hold that 4,300 level on a pullback, which would suggest that additional buyers are coming in. Um, the other thing to look for would be any sort of rotation to defensive parts of the market, things like utilities or real estate state or consumer staples, which are fairly defensive sectors in the U.S. For now, we're not seeing that rotation yet. And it's still appearing to be, if a, if a pullback, a brief pullback within the context of an uptrend. And uh, if you look at the run last week, every sector seemed to be working, right? The XLE, the XLK, the XLI, they were all in the green. The Russell was in the green. So can we look at this broadening bull run now and say that, okay, what is, and wonder what is priced in and what hasn't been priced in yet? So what you have to remember, Sean, I think that's a really good question. You know, you have to think about what the causes have been for the rally so far in 2023. In 2022, obviously, U.S. stocks and, and global stocks had a really challenging period. We bottomed out in October of last year, and then it's been a nice move to the upside. But in the last couple of months, it's been all about AI. It's been the AI trade, and that's leading stocks like NVIDIA and Microsoft and Alphabet, but also other names. You think about how widespread the artificial intelligence is. It's, it's industrial names like Caterpillar 
Parler, it's many others, all of which are incorporating AI into their functioning as a, as a business. The question is how high we're able to value companies based on the promise of AI. And I think if you look at traditional valuation metrics, we're very overextended relative to how these companies are actually earning money today and the estimates of earnings going forward. So I think that plays into the fact that it is more of a uh, of an AI frenzy that has really driven U.S. stocks higher. I think that supports the concept of having a, a bit of a pullback here. You're seeing some weakness, particularly in energy and materials from the end of this week and then continuing on today. Well, we haven't, but you wouldn't believe it though that when you think talk of a pullback because the VIX remains very low. Normally, you know, a low VIX, especially around $14, is in line with a bull market. But let's flip this around, right? Is it possible to have a low VIX in a down market given all the forces of negativity that's still surrounding us? There's so much investment wisdom in that, in that question, Sean. I appreciate it so much. And you're absolutely right. If you think about VIX in 2022, fairly elevated, right? 20, 25, 30 plus. If you think of the VIX back in 2021, much more near current level, sort of in that you know, 12, 15, maybe 20 range at most. Now we have a VIX down in the 13, 14 range. So the volatility scenario is telling you it's a lot more like 2021, which is a slow and steady uptrend versus 2022, which is a lot of instability. You know, traditionally, there's that inverse relationship. So when stocks are doing well, volatility tends to be low. And when stocks are low, volatility tends to be high. And that just plays to the normal behavior of investors. When you're optimistic and you're accumulating shares over time, you don't sort of panic buy, right? You sort of slowly accumulate and start added positions. But when you're panicked and you're anxious, you don't just slowly, gently start to pepper sell in orders, usually panic and sell everything. And that's what causes volatility to spike so much. So for now, as long as volatility remains low, as long as high yield spreads remain very narrow, which is the conditions we're seeing right now, it still plays into that long-term bullish thesis for sure. Okay. And on the note of uh, bullish, uh, what are your sense of the outperformance yesterday? Well, so it's interesting on today, you had a number of stocks that did particularly well. A lot of those I would characterize as more stock-specific news-driven moves. Uh, The move in Tesla in particular comes to mind. Uh, When you look at the 11 S&P sectors in the U.S. uh, today, consumer discretionary, the number one sector, everything else was actually in the red today. And that was really driven by Tesla being up, you know, five plus percent. Uh, Tesla and Rivian announced uh, an agreement with their supercharger stations uh, in the U.S., really causing both of those stocks to have a nice bounce higher. And it's also other, you know, so again, sort of AI plays, names like PayPal, NVIDIA, all all sort of leading uh, leading the way higher. Uh, What's interesting is on the downside, you have some uh, names like Intel, which is more of a defensive semiconductor name, if that would uh, if that's a good way to describe it. And also renewable energy names like uh, Enphase had a really tough stretch. So Mm -hmm. traditional energy stocks like DVN and FANG, more renewable energy names like Enphase all actually struggle today. I would like to bring us to look specifically at a stock, which is Apple. Apple is just Mm. inches away from the $3 trillion mark. It's up by more than 40% year to date. So critics will say, though, that you know it doesn't deserve to be where it is, which is the 30 times earnings relative to where the fundamental earnings story is. Can valuation be used as a tool for a stock in the overall market in the current conditions? So, Sean, one thing I've learned is when we start questioning the validity of valuation, I think your question is totally fair. But I found when we start questioning traditional measures of valuations and think about there being alternate ways 
to recognize that these prices should be much higher. That's when I think we start to get uh, a little overextended. And, and to be honest, the, the, that sort of discussion reminds me a lot of the late 1990s in the U.S., which was, you know, talking about price versus eyeballs as opposed to price versus earnings. Mm-hmm. You're seeing a lot of similar ideas about justifying higher and higher multiples for names like Apple. But one of the things I learned from a mentor was the most bullish thing the market can do is go up. And what's true about a stock like Apple or Microsoft or any of these leading growth names, they have had incredible runs so far and they're not showing signs of weakness yet at all, right? A chart like Apple continues to make higher highs and higher lows. I would be concerned when Apple tries to make a new high and fails to do so. The last couple of weeks, we've seen Apple, Microsoft, and others continuing to push higher. So in general, sticking with trends that are working, I think, is a really good general approach. That's why charts like Apple and Microsoft, even things like home builders and others, still looking strong here. And you also are keen on holding long-term performance like NVIDIA as well. Absolutely. If you think of the semiconductor space, names like NVIDIA, again, are, are, have had incredible performance year-to-date in 2023. The arguments against names like NVIDIA is that they've already run so much. They've already had such a string of performance. What's the likelihood that it continues? But the way I tend to think of things in this sort of environment is Mm -hmm. to put on your trend follower cap and focus on the trends that are working. Charts like NVIDIA still look particularly strong, right? Going, you know, continuing to make new swing highs, making higher lows when it pulls back. I think the concern on charts like that, on on stocks like Apple and NVIDIA in particular, is when they pull back, as long as they keep making a higher low, that shows you additional buyers are come in. I I would get concerned when you don't see buyers come in and we start to break down a little bit. We've not seen that yet on charts like NVIDIA. Okay. And uh, before we let you go, because we're running out of time, we understand that you've got your eyes set on the relative performance of consumer discretionary versus consumer staples. So could you explain that and what movements are you expecting there in the coming weeks? No, really good question, Sean. And thanks again. It's been it's a pleasure to speak with you guys. I used to be the technical research head at Fidelity Investments in Boston. One of my predecessors there, Bill Doan, swore by a chart looking at what he called offense versus defense. And the indexes they used are obsolete, but now we look at consumer discretionary things you want versus consumer staples things you need. When that ratio is going higher, that means investors are taking on additional risk, that consumers are paying for things that are discretionary that they don't need, but they might want. When markets get defensive, when investors take risk off, that ratio tends to turn lower because you still need things like beverages and tobacco and toilet paper, household goods and things like that. What's happening is that ratio in the last six weeks has continued to push higher mm-hmm. and, uh, on an equal weighted basis as well as a cap weighted basis. And what that tells me is that investors, institutional investors, are still leaning into the offensive side. I would get concerned when that ratio starts to turn lower. We've not seen that yet, but I think that's an important chart to watch this week to see if uh, investors start to rotate more defensively. All right, so we'll keep our eyes on that this week. Thank you, David. I had a very nice time chatting with you today. It was a pleasure, Sean, and thanks again, uh, thanks again for the great questions. Thank you so much for analysis. So we've been speaking to the Chartered Market Technician, David Keller, President and Chief Strategist at Sierra Alpha Research, who is also the Chief Market Strategist of StockCharts.com. I'm Sean Cheong and this is Money FM 89.3. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A W E D I O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.